Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Two, Her Majesty's Ambassador to the Republic of Zimbabwe between 2001 and 2004, Sir Brian Donnelly, recipient of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire and Most Distinguished Order of St. Michael and St. George. Former Ambassador, I hope this finds you in a state of health allowing your full comprehension of this letter. It relates to Her Majesty's government and the impact of its historical actions, specifically as it relates to Zimbabwe. So Brian, you are no longer the ambassador to the Republic of Zimbabwe. I am unclear if the short tenure of your service is a reflection of gross negligence or the political upheavals within the Labour government in the UK at the time. I note your appointment came under Prime Minister Tony Blair and ended with the unelected succession of Gordon Brown. Regardless, Please excuse the lateness of this commentary, but I feel it is an important story. I have the following to say. In 2004, I discovered that skin can split like an overripe fruit. We are all filled to bursting with sticky fluids. Application of the correct tool can blossom a face or an arm. A scrape can bubble red to the surface and color a grit-caked palm. Blossoming tools can be nightsticks, shumbucks, and fists. My skin has not blossomed by intentional use of any of these tools, but I know what it looks like when a face is split. I know what blood looks like on the floor outside of an embassy. HMA Sir Brian Donnelly, your embassy lay and still lies upon Herbert Chitepo Avenue in Harare. Named for Herbert Chitepo, hero of the struggle for independence from white supremacists ruled in Rhodesia and contributed to the same struggle in Mozambique. In 1975, Comrade Chitepo entered his Volkswagen Beetle in Lusaka, Zambia, where he was directing the guerrilla efforts to reclaim the stolen land of Zimbabwe, at that time bastardized as Rhodesia, and his car exploded, killing him and his bodyguard. People who die in this way, Sir Brian Donnelly, do so because their bodies burst. Sir Brian Donnelly, though unsolved, it remains widely accepted that Her Herbert Chitepo's life was taken by the forces of the Rhodesian army. I bring this up because your embassy is located on the street of a liberation hero who fought and died to dismantle the system of racial oppression Her Majesty's government enabled. I also acknowledge that when Her Majesty opened the embassy, it did so on the street with an appropriately British name, Baker Street. <laughs> I would like to note here for context that in 2004, the inflation rate in Zimbabwe was at 132% and well on its way to its 2008 high of 231 million percent. I do also note that the British, with their guns and good God-fearing government, seized land over the previous hundred years on that piece of earth that was at the very time in 2004 being redistributed. It is notable that this land was at the time being redistributed in a less violent way to how it was taken, but since many of the victims were, in this case, white citizens of Her Majesty's sovereign empire, it caused outrage within the international communities. There were also at this time heavy shortages of fossil fuels and food staples. Electricity service interruptions were the norm, and so was abject poverty and its associated diseases, namely malaria, cholera, rickets, scurvy, tuberculosis, and dysentery. I also note that your Prime Minister at the time, His Excellency the Right Honourable Tony Blair, handled it in his fashion like the wanker and war criminal that he was and so remains. <laughs> My Honourable Fuktard. It was from this embassy in 2004 that a missive was released, bearing perhaps your curving signature, 
stating that physical applications would no longer be accepted at the British Embassy in Harare, Zimbabwe, and all communication was to be by courier. You were clearly overwhelmed by the applications for asylum and found it prudent to place a stiff British wall between you and those in the terrible situation Her Majesty's government founded in 1888. In 1888, I remind you, Her Majesty's agent, Cecil John Rhodes, brilliant businessman and abhorrent fuck, tricked King Lobengula of the Indebele in Matabeleland, now southern Zimbabwe, into signing a friendship treaty with Britain that allowed Rhodes to claim mining rights to their land. Cecil Rhodes enforced this treaty with Snyder Enfield rifles designed, manufactured, and traded from your former colony in North America. Honestly, fast forward a century and everything is quite unsurprisingly fucked. It was 4 a.m. on the last day physical applications were to be accepted, notably three days after your announcement. I arrived with my sister. We were flying back to Toronto to continue our college education in the warm bosom of the West, partaking in the magic of public transit and debit cards. Since we were both Zimbabwean citizens with Zimbabwean passports, your feet needed legal justification to touch any foreign sovereign surfaces, and we intended to travel through the capital of the great empire itself, London. To do so, fingerprints, police records, and reference letters were required, along with a fee to be paid in British pounds or US dollars. Lorraine, my sister, and I had these things. We joined the line on a chilled morning and were still about 80 humans from the front doors. The embassy was to open at 7.30 a.m. We settled in and chewed breakfast sandwiches. The crowd murmured around us. The absence of portable technology meant we conversed until 7.15 when a dark-suited figure emerged and announced that we should assemble in the alcove of the embassy, a giant cube cut from the front, in a zigzag formation and that the embassy would see just 100 people that day. At this last bit, the line surged forward into the alcove, and those who had been milling at the sides pushed in to create a mass shuffling of expectant human. HMA, Sir Brian Donnelly, this was a tactical error on the part of your staff. This zigzag line became twisting spaghetti, and when the dark-suited figure addressed the, cloud, the crowd from the small wooden door at the cube's corner, it prompted everyone to turn around and became just one giant crowd. A second tactical error was then made by telling the crowd to now vacate the alcove and reform the line. You must have heard the crowd, Ambassador, as their protests were vehement, visceral, and vocal. There was no third tactical error. No, there was not, you absolute snake in the grass. There was just a grand fuck-up. That suited boob you employed went behind that wooden door and emerged with policemen, carrying wicked taper rubber whips. Shambox, the skin splitter. The crowd, Sir Fuck, went silent. The policemen flicked their arms, telling us to disperse. And I won't say I didn't add my voice to the burst of outrage. And my voice, as ever, did everyone else's, died in my throat when they raised their shumbucks and began. To be clear, you throbbing pimple, they smashed those whips down. The silence of the violence is what I remember most, the sound of rubber against skin. I separated from my sister and rode the crowd out of the alcove to the street where I turned and immediately looking for her. The image that has become the tapestry for this event happens now. An old lady, hair wrapped in a purple scarf with a matching dress, crawls from the crowd. Her face is split down the front where a whip has wrapped around her head from behind. The blood is bright red on her skin. I couldn't stop staring at her with the wide eyes of an 18-year-old boy. Breaking my shock, the crowd pushed me into action and I crossed the street to the median 
climbing the middle flower pots in search of Lorraine. She saw me and came running and together we fled the area. Her Majesty's Ambassador to the Republic of Zimbabwe between 2001 and 2004, Sir Brian Donnelly, recipient of the Most Excellent Order of the British Empire and Most Distinguished Order of St. Michael and St. George. I hate what Her Majesty's Empire did to that area of the earth. I think you really fucked things up. A place already possessing commerce, complex government systems and cities was brutally conquered. I think that you have forcibly burned myths into the world's mind, separated yourself with the passage of time, and have justified your actions, actions as ultimately positive for most people who happen mostly to be European. I think you haven't said sorry in the ways that matter. I think you've pillaged wealth for a century and now seem surprised when hungry people from lands you've destroyed with racist disaster capitalism come knocking. You really are a bouquet of silliness to not have had the foresight to envision the consequences of your murderous thefts. I want to say that it was hard to grow up as a white Zimbabwean, and I still hate how it makes me feel. But I have no one to blame, Sir Brian, as the world is gray and complex, so I write this letter to you in the hopes that it'll ruin your day. Kiss my ass. Love, Lawrence. It was so wonderful to have Lawrence on the on the podcast. Yeah, uh, man, what a wonderful fellow. Um, arguably the nicest man I've ever met. And I've met some very nice men. Charming as all hell. Yes. Uh, even apparently when he's telling a story uh, that is truly brutal. <laughs> yeah. Like that is, you know, that that story is, is one that uh, obviously in the way he told it, he sort of, I think he, he spared the audience from the full brutality uh, while also giving a historical context, actually, of, of, of what led to that particular brutality and that experience. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, but still managed to do it in, in, sort, of a, in, in sort of a charming, uh, charming way. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are still uh, talking about this uh, little pilot project that we've got called uh, Digital LGP, which is uh, based on a writing group that we, uh, Stefan, I, myself, and Brienne, or Brienne started, and then we joined up, and it eventually became Stories We Don't Tell, the event, which eventually became this podcast that you are listening to right now. And it is, yeah. And, and on this podcast, we're now pitching the return of this. It's a full circle. Yes. We're going back uh, to our roots and trying to restart some form of writing community that is solely based on writing, uh, and we're doing this in a digital fashion. Yes. And uh, so part of the idea is that usually you would get a... Uh, some kind of a prompt, an essay or a short story or something like that. And then uh, for the group, you would write either a reaction or just something that it made you think about or a story about yourself that resonated with, you, you know, that resonates with this particular prompt. So we are doing this audibly. Yes. Is that the cro the proper term, I think? Audibly, yeah. You can hear it, I hope. Y I, I hope you're hearing us right now. Yes. Yeah, so for the last few episodes, as you have been probably listening, is that we've been using um, the stories from the live event as sort of, um, uh, you know, aud audio prompts. Yes. And then offering some uh, challenges or, um, you know, things that maybe you can um, bring to your own writing, which today is... It's 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 a different one this time because uh, all the other times we've been we've been managing to uh, we've we've been sort of talking about the about the specific way the, the or or a particular thing that the writer might have been working on or through whereas this one is all about the actual structure of the story itself uh, it's sort of a different take on the whole thing of like you know this this story that Lawrence told obviously was a letter 
he wrote a letter to this to this man. Uh, and so today's challenge is to write a letter uh, to to anyone about anything. Yeah, because you know I'd like to just uh, if I could you know use an example is that. Uh, I was working many years ago with my writing mentor, and I think he did this on purpose, but I'm not sure. Uh, he was, he'd give me exercises to do, very much the way that we, we are doing now uh, with our listeners. And we would write to each other in the mail. So we would, he would give me the exercise, and I'd mail it to him. And with every p- exercise, I'd write like a letter to him, just talking about what I maybe learned or, you know, just different things. And I remember one time he was so frustrated with me because he was like, your exercises just suck. You're not getting this. I mean, he was much nicer than that, but not like too much nicer. (laughs) And then he kept flipping back and forth to one of my letters. And he said, you know, I hear your voice so much in these letters. And if there's a way that you can, but then that voice goes away in the actual writing. So if there's a way you could take that voice in in those letters and and bring it into the exercises, um, you know, it would really be, you'd really have something then. And so it really kind of changed my whole perspective on writing and, and how to, you know, structure stuff and the tone and, the, and all of that. So uh, this is a long story to say that I think this is a it seems like a simple exercise to just write something, a story or anything in the form of a letter or write to somebody yeah. that is important to you or, you know, whatever. And um, it's just something it's a, it's great. It's very helpful. Yeah, I would say that it's. I feel like it it gives you a structure already, uh, and so all you have to do is fill the content. I feel like often we we get to points where we where where we as writers, or at least I as a writer, have found myself struggling to to write anything on a page because I just don't even know how to structure it at all. And 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 being like write a letter. Uh, everyone knows how to write letters, even or you know I maybe this millennial generation uh, that I am part of or whatever the generation after us. Uh, I should say emails instead of letters. But yeah, people understand how to write. Personal correspondence. Write a personal correspondence. Write it in all emojis. I don't give a shit. Like, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Just, like, it's it's a good sort of exercise to, um, you know, kind of figure out. I so sounded old right there. Oh, I know yeah. you're just rolling your no, eyes. No, no, I'm just thinking, like, happy face, smiley face. Thumbs down, thumbs down, thumbs down. Fire, fire, fire. Are you talking about the state of the world right now? Oh, yeah, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the whole story. Right. Okay, so... Write a letter, everyone. Yes. And then send Paul an emoji. Subscribe to the Stories We Don't Tell podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on iTunes. For more information about the podcast, blog, and live events, find us on Facebook or visit storieswedonttell.org. This episode of the Stories We Don't Tell podcast is brought to you by... Fire, fire, fire. Thumbs down emoji.